I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans. This one's for you. Put your hands up! This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. It is National Championship Game Day. So, obviously, we can't talk about who won and who lost. But we can talk to you about who we believe is going to win. We also have to talk about a Heisman Trophy winner in the Pac-12, Caleb Williams. The bowl games in the Pac-12. Cal quarterbacks. Uh, Cam Rising. Back in Utah? And so is they're probably their best player on their team. Um... And what's going on with the media rights deals and all sorts of things. You guys make sure that you guys hit us up. Shoot us an email. I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. Or you can shoot us a text message, which is in the description. And please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, Ralph, we will start with the bowl games. Because the Pac-12, actually, how would you judge the Pac-12's bowl game performances? They had a great 2022. Anything that happened after the new year was not so great, but they had a great 2022. <laughs> That's funny. See, I looked at it like overall, I would say it was a, a success, a success. I mean, and the reason why I say that is because UCLA and USC are still pretty well thought of, right? Yeah. But. They're leaving the Pac-12. They're leaving the Pac-12. So yeah, like so, do you care if they lose a bowl game or not? It would have been cool to have six ten win teams um, because I don't think that's something that anybody expected. And if, if you're a longtime Pac-12 Apostles listener, please excuse my voice. I uh, I went out with some uh, college football coaches last night, and apparently my vocal cords can't handle 
uh, adult beverages. Yeah, something like that. Uh, But I would say that no one expected six 10-win teams, and we came uh, one game short of that happening. If UCLA had had won their bowl game, um, if we didn't get some retro done Dorian Thompson-Robinson in that game with some attitude and some discipline and some wild and out, um, that was not the game for him to 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 have regression in. But I, I would still say that that UCLA being relevant all year long, having a Heisman winner, having five um, five ten win teams, and then the teams that were not good being bad enough to clean house either at the coordinator or coach position, with University of Arizona being relevant again in some way, I. I I, I'm just overall, I thought this was a fantastic year for the Pac-12. And now nah, I don't feel bad for anything that happens to UCLA or USC on their way out. But you can be damn sure I'm going to take credit for every good thing that happens while they're still here. Big facts. All right, let's start with the Florida-Oregon State game. Because that was a, I mean, I know that Florida was pay, was playing with former USC quarterback, right? Zach Miller? I mean, sorry, Jack Miller. No, 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 Jack, no, no. Jack Miller was at Stanford. Jack Miller was at Ohio State. Oh God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. He but he looks Stanford-ish. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was well, a Well, actually, no, 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 because he's only six three. So, you know, they would they would never get a quarterback that's under six four. Right. That it was a long season of, of, uh, and, and Billy Napier, like they're going to have to do some soul searching there to figure out because all I hear is Anthony Richardson's going to be a first round quarterback. But outside of the first week of the season, there, there wasn't a lot of like, there's stuff in the film that tells you Anthony Richardson could be very special. Um, and which is why people are they calling are him hoping like a Josh, he's Josh Allen. Allen. They are that's what they are hoping. They are but, they're, they're like this is the black Josh Allen people. Yeah, but the difference is he got a bunch of kids from from Florida, and you know about kids from Florida. That that's that's who See, Florida's roster. Jack is that is that uh, Josh Allen had nobody to throw to, and he was playing against better teams. Like when he played against Oregon, he, he looked terrible. But he had nobody yeah. to throw the ball to. You cannot say that he had nobody to throw the ball to in Florida. He had a couple of like tight ends that played in the slot that are still like Tanner Gentry still at the NFL level. So like I don't wanna I don't I, I don't wanna say that Josh Allen had nobody, but on the collective, they were almost yeah. always outmatched on the whole. And I don't think you can say that about Florida. That's not to say that Anthony Richardson couldn't be really good, but when Jack Miller comes in and he struggles too, Billy Napier and that offensive staff, they gotta take a long look in the mirror and figure out what you know, is, is it an oh, yeah. issue on there? They're end? bringing in two freshman quarterbacks. Including Jaden Rashad, I forgot the other kid. Yeah, so they're bringing in multiple freshman quarterbacks. So we'll we'll see what they turn into. But speaking yeah. of quarterbacks, though, Oregon State they played uh, uh, Tristan Jebbia. So it was actually good to see him back on the field after damn near two years off because of a an yeah. injury. Uh, ben Ben Goldbranson he did his thing, but. I think that after the Oregon game, we all were like, okay. I mean, but I, we had talked about it, though, that he's yeah. cool, but he's not a – he should be starting somewhere, just not at Oregon State. 
this is not the level for him to thrive at, but he has shown that he is he he can go out there and he can it, limit mistakes because that they were they were at the mercy of of some mistakes that were were being made uh, by Chance Nolan, and when he came in, it it really cleaned it up and and led Oregon State to have one of their best years ever. And so you have to give him credit for that. But I think that if they knew that he was it, then they wouldn't have brought in DJU. Former five-star, former, you know, is he going to play baseball and make $300 million, or is he going to play football and make $300 million, you know, um, before he he, he kind of had some pedestrian years at Clemson, which is tough to follow, Tr- Trevor Lawrence yeah. and Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Yeah. Those are two of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. So he went in, he did his thing, he won games, but you, you have to think that, like, it – Oregon State didn't take the opportunity to bring in a high-level quarterback, and I had heard that like they, they were kind of in negotiations with JT Daniels, but he wanted more than they were willing to to offer. I would rather have DJ Uyangalele with two years left than JT Daniels on his what his fourth school? No, third. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is I guess they were in negotiations with him before the 2022 season. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they just rolled with. And and I think that they're admitting that this is they think they're one piece away. Now, is that true? Because they're losing Jack Coletto, who did everything for them. Um, they're losing uh oh my gosh, who's their corner that is so talented that's uh, um going into the draft out of uh, out of the, the the JUCO scene in SoCal, him and his cousins from Last Chance U. Um, oh, it's killing me that I won't forget his name. He's like a 6'2", 6'3", corner uh, and was, was all Pac-12. You're losing some really, really good pieces that you developed over time. What we have failed to see from Oregon State thus far is if they can replenish anywhere outside of like the running back position. Yep. So they're losing really important players. And is DJU going to be enough to make up for that? Have they been recruiting well enough? Um, but I have a lot of faith in that staff. They've, they're building a culture. They're yes. like a diet Utah. They, you, you said diet what? Diet Utah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Diet Utah. That's a that's a good way to put it. But yeah, but they can still wreck your situation. I think that this is a good situation for them. And the good news for Oregon State is is that they didn't get raided in the in, in the portal. Mm-hmm. That was probably the most important thing because if they had lost their running backs and stuff like that, like they would have been in a much different situation. But they didn't get raided, so that was good news. Um, I thought the most disappointing game was Fresno State absolutely drowning Washington State. So this Washington State offense is like they they tried to do what you keep telling them to do, run the football, except they couldn't run the football against Fresno State. Could not run the football at all. Jake Hayner had a had a good game. Wasn't a spectacular game. Two good riddance. I'm done <laughs> with him. Are you done with him? I'm done dealing with Jake Hayner ruining Pac-12 lives. Uh, I mean, he never bothered me too much. He gave me a scare, okay. but he never <laughs> he never actually, you know. I'm done being scared. I just <laughs> get him out of here. So Cameron Ward. Yeah. I don't he's he's back for next year. But he lost his OC, so it'll be interesting to see what they do from here. Yeah, but was their offense that good anyway? That's the that's the thing, is that this Washington yeah. State offense wasn't exactly 
gang gangbusters. They had that good game against Oregon when they had like some crazy stuff happen. Then they came back 28 points, 14, 10, 17. Then they put 52 up on Stanford, but Stanford stinks. 28 on Arizona State, 31 on Arizona, and Arizona's defense is terrible. And then 33 against Washington. So, like, it, it's weird. They, they yo-yoed all season. And I'm telling you, they finished 7-6. and six. I am nowhere near as high on this team as I was when Nick Rolovich was coaching. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm – I had I'd made a couple of comments on this podcast over time that I didn't actually know if um, if this success was going to be sustainable. It's interesting that Eric Morris leaves. It's interesting that Brian Ward makes a lateral move to Arizona State and takes A.J. Cooper with him. So now it's truly going to be a Jake Dicker staff, and we're going to see if beyond being a, a leader of young men, which I think he's proved that in, in the controversy of Nick Rolovich's dismissal proved that he could hold that team together. Uh, but can he hold a staff together? Can he hire? He just, the offensive coordinator that he brought in George is 27. Yep. Yeah. His name is Ben Arbuckle and he was the hey, OC did- his, at Western Kentucky and they were number six in, in total offense, but Western Kentucky, like that's what they do. Oh yeah, bro, bro, bro. He's and that he's was supposedly what Eric Morris did. Grad school, dude. Him and him and Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett are all the same age. There's like three punters that are all older than <laughs> three Australian rule former Australian rules punters that are all going to be older than Washington State's offensive coordinator. But they, you know, they and I, I know that Jake Dickert can call a defense if he needs to. But they're making wholesale changes to that staff, and it's gonna it's it's going to be a whatever they look like over the next two years is a hundred percent on Jake Dickert, right? Like it's, Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to find out. Can't put it on anybody else. Right. We're going to find out if he can do more than drive a rental. Yep. That's a fact, Jack. That is an absolute fact. Um, now, now, um, now, I do want to give some credit to my old offensive coordinator, Fresno State head coach again, <laughs> and Jeff Jeff Tepper put together a 10-4 and, 10 and four season. Hey, you never know. He might be back in the pack at some point in, point in time. Um, <laughs> I, Fresno State just needs to give him a lifetime contract. Yep. Uh, Oregon, North Carolina. Oregon won at the very end of the game. And you want to talk about shorthanded? I mean, I know that North Carolina was shorthanded too, but both teams had their quarterbacks. So I felt like it was a fair game. Yeah. And I mean, Oregon was without 13 players that that all played during the uh, season. So And their OC. Yes. And the, uh, so they got somebody else calling the offense. Yep. That's and the big. safeties coach was gone. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this was a weird game because it was. It felt like Oregon dominated the first and fourth quarters, and then got their face pushed into the sand in the second and third quarter. Like that. That's how I felt about yeah. it. Was yeah, but they didn't um, especially give up that any points quarter. in the third quarter. They, it was zero points in the third quarter. Yeah, um, North Carolina. I've had a chance to watch them up close this year. Um, 
that Drake May stuff, all those reports, I, I, I do think he's worth that. If that's true, that he had schools offering him $5 million to leave North Carolina, I think he's worth every penny. <laughs> I like him a lot. I really like him a lot as a as a quarterback, and you got to see him up close in that game. Um, did, what, was this was this this is two years in a row of this of Oregon playing in a bowl at a lower level than you would have liked at the end of the season, and it's three times in the last four years um, that well, it's, that this first thing is it's better than playing in the damn Sun Bowl. Yeah. So the Holiday Bowl, to me, is better than the Sun Bowl, even though the Sun Bowl is technically above the Holiday Bowl, right? But Yes, but does it, does it, does it change your investment level in how the season is going to end? Are you still all in for the, for the bowl when three of the last four years, two weeks before the season ended, you were hoping for a college football playoff appearance or, or you know, a top 10 no, finish or something no. like that? No, 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 no. It was just important to win the bowl game. Okay. That was just important. And you didn't have to play like Tulane. I mean, because I would have rather played North Carolina than play Tulane. Even <laughs> though even though Tulane is technically better, like, you know, like you don't get any credit for beating two Tulane, but you do get crushed for losing to Tulane. If if somebody imaginary were to do that. I'm just saying. Um <laughs> now on Texas and Washington. Texas, I swear to God, is the most overrated team in the history of teams. And like yeah. the pollsters continuously want them to be good. But Quint, Quint Ewers in this game threw for 369 yards. Washington's defense is atrocious, first thing. Hey, they, and Texas lost your boy Brennan Marion yesterday. Congratulations to Brennan Marion. Where did where did new- he go? Offensive coordinator at the recently vacated UNLV, thanks to Bobby Petrino hopping over to Texas A&M. Your boy Brennan Marion is calling the offense in Las Vegas. He didn't tell me what man. I'm, I'm shooting this man a text message right now. That is that is great news, man. That is great news. But okay, so before we, we move on, can I get your thoughts on Steve uh, on on Sark? melting down on the the TV producer right before running out of the tunnel. Oh, man, he's just emotional in the situation. They were down 13 to 3. And he's like, "Bro, I don't even know what to do at this point in point point in time." And I am very surprised that Xavier Worthy has not hit the portal yet. Like that to me, the way he played in that game, because because they had asked him about the portal prior to the game, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Man, I'm just worried about this game." He like he was non-committal, and then he went out there and he caught seven for eighty-four yards, but he should have had eleven catches for two hundred and fifty yards. I mean, he dropped wide open passes for touchdowns. It was bad. So what you're saying, what you're saying is maybe he wasn't focused. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and had B. John Robinson played, I don't I mean, Washington won this game, but it didn't feel like Michael Penix Jr. didn't have one of his 
you know, typical games. He was 32 for 54 for 287, two touchdowns and a pick. That is, for some quarterbacks, that would be a good day. That is not a good Michael Penix day. Michael Penix days usually look like Quinn Ewer's stat line, 31 for 47 for 369 and a touchdown, but he would have probably had at least two. So this is Sark's, uh, Sark's record since leaving Washington. Um, because what did they call him? Seven win Sark, yes. at, uh, which he was seven and six, three years in a row, went eight and four, parlayed that into the USC job, nine and four, uh, alcohol problems manifest, gets fired after the Arizona state game and going three and two. And then since his return, six years later, after spending time at, at Alabama, he is five and seven, eight and five. How much pressure is on Steve Sarkeesian? I know this is a Pac-12 podcast. This is a former Pac-12 coach of multiple teams in the Pac-12. How much pressure is on Steve Sarkeesian in 2023? A it lot. feels immense to me. A lot. A lot, dude. Um, Because he doesn't – like Texas – does not feel like a place that is going to be that is going to give you grace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're just not. And with the way that they have recruited, I mean, but here here's the good news. So Tom Herman went seven and three his last year. So Tom Tom Herman went seven and six, ten and four, eight and five, seven and three, and got fired. Okay, right. Sark immediately goes five and seven. Yeah. After being preseason ranked in the top 25, but pre preseason mm-hmm. rankings mean nothing. They collapsed in a bunch of games. It was a bad look this year. You were like, okay, they almost beat Alabama. They're moving in the right direction. And they finished unranked and they finished eight and five. So technically he was three wins better. Yeah. And I don't want to, I, I, I erase 2015 from the record. I don't, I don't count that as part of Sark's legacy. Yeah. Um, but if you do include 2015, eight, which and, eight and five finish, is not going to be good enough for next season. I think, yeah, I think there, if he goes eight and five. He does not get fired, but if he goes, so I'll say this six of the nine seasons that Sark has been a coach, they have finished unranked after being ranked at, at a certain point in time. And the, and the other two seasons where they did finish ranked, it was starting 15th, finishing 25th, starting ninth, finishing 20th. And if you throw out that three and two year where he got fired, he has 56 wins over eight years. Do you know what 56 divided by eight is seven? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just saying. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Anyways, uh, on to Washington now. This was a fantastic season for Washington, 11-2. and two. Washington fans, you should be very, very excited about next season. You you are going to have to get some wide a little bit of wide receiver help, and Kalen DeBoer has not proven while he's been a head coach because that he's proven that he can turn a program around. He's proven that he can do all of these things. He has not proven that he can that he's going to put out a good defense. So, okay. So that's something that needs to get fixed. And if Washington wants to be a a College football playoff type of team. They're going to have to improve the talent level on the roster just in general. And I would be scared of them if they did. Yes. I would be very scared of them if they did because we talked about um, under Jimmy Lake, they had that three-headed, what's the opposite of a monster at running back? Uh, Three-headed teddy bear. Yes. This year. Wayne Talapapa, Cameron Davis, and Richard Newton all averaged over 4.7 yards a carry. Richard Newton was part of that three-headed teddy bear. Cameron Davis, five yards a carry. Wayne Talapapa, six and a half yards a carry. Like this is and and again, these are not these are these are I would say average to above average level. Yeah. And they, and they just athletes. brought in a, a running back too from the transfer portal. So and that's what, if they get more talented, if they get more talented, yeah. this team is going to, especially offensively, they're going to be scary. Yeah, and everybody keeps the the only thing that they have to worry about is really the only thing that pretty much that USC has to worry about, Oregon has to worry about. If you keep your quarterback healthy, you're going to win ten games. Yeah, it's just. But a I trust Kalen DeBoer. I trust Kalen DeBoer though to to have a backup at least be serviceable. I do because has Heward left yet? No, Heward has not left, but he's third on the depth depth chart. He's behind um, uh, the kid that was there the last couple seasons. 
Well, because here, here's my whole thing. We're like, oh, can you? Michael Penix is going to come in here. He's probably going to throw for like 3,000 yards, maybe rush for 500. Like, he's so dynamic. No, he rushed for 92 yards this year because all he did was sit back and pick <laughs> people apart, throw for 4,700 yards. Yeah. But, but, like, I, but I do believe, though, too, that the same with USC, the same with Washington, that they will be defended a lot better this year than they were this past season. In in impact twelve play alone, yeah. Like because, uh, uh, we're gonna hold we're gonna hold Michael Penix to only thirty eight hundred yards passing. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, exactly. That that's like when when I was in high school and I held uh, Gilbert Arenas had scored fifty points three games in in a row, and then we played him in high school. I outscored him, and I. Th- I think I scored 29 and and I held him to 26. Or 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 he scored 29 and I scored 32. Uh, either either way. I I held him to a, a <laughs> held him to 29. Hey, like, the bro. Kobe stopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, so Washington has something to be hopeful for, but they do have to improve on the d- defense, but they have a great coach. The problem is going to be holding on to him because they almost lost him this year. So, and I don't think he wanted to just jump after one season. They almost lost him. And now we talked about that. Yep. We talked about that, that you can't, the thing about the PAC 12 and the mismanagement over time and the network issues is that somebody can come in. And I I mean, I, I spent a lot of time mad at Matt Ishbia for, for, for stealing Mel Tucker away from Colorado. Now I'm Matt Ishbia's number one fan though, because he's about to buy the Phoenix Suns. But <laughs> but like that we we can't compete with that. And I know that some of it is laughable. Like when Auburn was like, yeah, we could totally go and get Dan Lanning. Like some of it actually has to do with like not wanting and to coach Dan in Lanning an unhealthy like, environment. No, I'm not going. I'm staying I mean that was the most Definitive, I've ever heard a yeah. coach be like, I'm not leaving, bro. But did you but see his new even tattoo? You gotta admit, okay, let's get into this. I like it. I like it. Shitty tattoos are part of where I'm like, the, <laughs> the, where I'm from. The so, state so fair comes guys- to town. The state fair comes to town, and you could get you can make a permanent decision between eating cotton candy and riding the tilt a whirl. Yeah, that's that's where I'm from. And I like his tattoo and anybody. And I mean, I saw some people from another Pac-12 podcast like making fun of it. And like, if if you want that to be your vibe, if you want that to be your identity to like to just like. I don't know, it just it hits me the wrong way when your whole identity is making fun of people. Yeah. Um, Is it the greatest tattoo in the world? No, Uh, it's it's his wife's face. Yeah. And it has like wife's face and like upper torso, like down to like the Gigi's area. And she has um a pit P I T like going going down on the, the cleavage. Yes, yeah. On the cleavage. Yeah, that's a better term. Um of uh, she has thirty eight thirteen. You're gonna say you were gonna say pit on the tit, weren't you? Yes. Hey, we read too much Dr. Seuss. Yeah. So, uh, um, upper, upper, like, you know, face tatted, she has, what is it, 3813. 
and people were, were like, where's the homage to Georgia? Like, that was it, bro. Yeah. Um, what is 816? Do you know what that that was, that area code? Is that like where he's from? Um, Because that was the one that I didn't know. I do like the little like teardrop ASU. Was, oh, that's from Kansas nice. City. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Um, so, and she has Oregon tatted across her throat. Like the like the Oregon wings and everything with the O in yes. the middle with a breast cancer. Um or was the wait, was the was the ribbon yellow or pink? I don't remember. Yellow. Okay, so yellow is for our servicemen and women, right? Yeah, but I do think his wife uh beat cancer. Yeah. So oh yeah, or maybe a different type of cancer. I forget which one. Um so and then she has an Alabama A, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there was an homage to all the places that he's been. I like it. I don't know what that says about me, see, but I, I like it. See the see the, the the thing that it meant to to me was he got a face tat of his wife. That's a big thing, right? And yes. then the uh, second thing was is that to me that symbolized like yo, she been down with me like she was shooting in the gym when I was nobody, nothing. She mm. went through all of this with me. That like that like this is her. I loved it. I I like it. I didn't know he got down like that. It was a tattoo artist, like a friend of his. So he's yeah, yeah. He's like supporting a friend. Um, again, where I'm from, that's what tattoos look like, and where I was raised in Arizona. I mean, it was well done. Yeah, my best friend has the Jordan logo tattooed on his whole calf. And it was done with a guitar string, and Jordan has no neck. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> again, I'm just gonna say, like, I'm I'm not from like the hardest place in the world, but like, <laughs> but and that's are, what you tattoos are from look a place like. where backyard tattoos are. Yes, I am, and a lot of my family has them. I'm tattoo free because I have a rule. I have a hard and fast rule. That if I want a tattoo, I have to wait 36 months. And if it's still a good idea at the end of 36 months, I'll get the tattoo. I have zero tattoos. I'm thinking about getting get getting tatted, bro. I've so I have no tats, but I am definite. But but I'm waiting until I finish my uh, fitness journey. As you can see by this face, it's slimming down. But there you uh, go. But yeah, but I, after I get shirt off ready, I think I'm going to go get tatted. I don't know what I'm gonna get, but I but I think I'm close to getting 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 full torso tribal. Nah, see, I, I'm not even gonna get into that. But yeah, but uh, you know, it'd be a great tattoo. Dan Lanning with his wife's tattoo on him, so like an Inception tattoo. <laughs> Are there any black people with tattoos of white people on them? Of course, because I have of I have friends who have like Nelson Mandela or like Martin Luther King tattoos it, it, of like his if, face. If if so, it's probably Trump. Yeah, that can be the only one I can just like think of, like Trump or like lost a bet and you had to get Larry Bird or something. Or any, oh, I was hanging out with an Indiana State head, uh, not a head coach, but a former player at Indiana State. And I was like, so is there any way to escape Larry Bird's legacy out there? And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like they're showing you videos of Larry Bird diving for loose balls and being like, that's how you need to play football. 
Like that's what <laughs> life is like that, at Indiana State. I would say if you if you are, and I do have a lot of friends that have like uh, photo framed uh, photos of Abe Lincoln. I think if you would hang a picture of somebody in your home, I think you you could I could have visioned somebody getting that tattooed on their body. I don't know, man. I got cousins with like every ICP album tattooed ICP? on their back. Yeah. What is ICP? Insane Clown Posse. Oh, those I, like I have rappers, the Juggalos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have heard. It. I don't know their songs. Speaking of that, do you see my shirt today? I like it. I got. It. I like I, it. I got it from a vintage shop. It's an ACDC shirt. And then, when do I, you actually listen to ACDC, or is this like the Nirvana shit that you pulled? What do you tell me? I know everything about Nirvana. Name the band members. <laughs> For 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 which group? Nirvana. There's there's four, technically three. Listen, only only one matters, and that's Kurt Kurt Cobain. <laughs> I'm gonna find that old clip of you not knowing who Kurt Cobain of you being the that's just, you you pulled the Babe Ruth Sandlot moment with Kurt Cobain. I was like Kurt Cobain, lead singer Nirvana. You're like that's the same guy. <laughs> I really did though. Um, so. I know for sure that I have heard ACDC songs because I would play them on Rock Band, one of, one of my favorite games of all time. But no, I do not know the members of ACDC. I found this in a vintage shop. Like, this is an actual old-ass shirt. Like, this isn't one of the, like, the new shirts. Like, this is a... Like, like a concert a, that happened in 81. Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. This I respect like, it. I respect it. Yeah. I, that's the best live show I've ever been to. 2000 America West Arena at the time uh, with my dad and some friends, and it was like the eighth time my dad seen them. They're they're my middle son's favorite band. It's a the like I just love it. Okay, love it. Uh, Pitt at UCLA. Pitt uh, the the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. This was a disaster for UCLA. This mm. was a disaster for Dorian Thompson Robinson. <laughs> man i wish he wouldn't have played right i wish he had opted out i wish he had opted out like like this would this may have been the difference between him going in the like the fifth to sixth round and going undrafted if you watch this game he does not look like an nfl quarterback yeah man he over and, his and last everybody two years. knows how I feel about Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's improved every single year. I was like, yo, I'm so happy he came back. He'll have his chance to play himself up into high into the rounds in the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. And he did that for about half the year. Well, for like two thirds of the year. And then all of a sudden, it came crashing down. Yeah. His yards per attempt stayed up there this year. His uh <laughs> His touchdown to interception ratio was a was uh, kind of similar. Like it was still pretty good. Rating was up. He, he improved his completion percentage by eight percentage points. And all people are going to remember is that he reverted back to like freshman junior year, Dorian Thompson Robinson in this bowl game, and like that. I don't want that to be part of his narrative because of the amount that he has grown. Yes over time but these are ultimately like a lot of these are choices he's making yep with, with just like his demeanor going off on his on on getting frustrated with his teammates didn't he he like chased down a defender 
in this game and got in their face like he was Tom Brady yes. running after a touchdown. Yeah. And then they lost. He's got to control the emotions, man. Like, you're supposed to have the emotions, but as the quarterback, you can't do stuff like that. But we should I'm I, I'm hoping that I, I, I want to see him. I would I would take him as Kyler's backup in Arizona. Ooh. I really would because you don't have to switch up uh, like too much of yeah. That's actually the, reasonable the style of play. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, hate that. So, are you hopeful or excited about UCLA for next season? I curious because 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 remember last year I was like this is a ten win team, ten wins yeah. is the minimum. They blew every opportunity to get 10, 10 wins this year. Blew it. Yep. I mean, I would like to see a a real God's honest quarterback competition. Not that a quarterback competition always tells the story; it often does not. Um, but I don't uh, giving the keys to the kingdom to Dante Moore right out of the gate is is not something that Chip no. Kelly can afford to do because nine wins didn't build the goodwill that that the eleven wins they probably should have had would have. Yeah, because they because they should not have lost to Arizona, right? Yeah, that gives them ten wins and makes the season look a little bit better because you can stomach that USC loss. Yeah, and then the pit you should have won won that game. You should have finished the season 12, 12 and two. Yeah, they they should have. Um, there were times like they, they weren't as committed to the run game as they probably could have been. Um, in the beginning of the season, it looked like Zach Charbonnet was going to be heading to New York for uh, in some Heisman conversations. That that didn't end up happening. They were relatively healthy. Not nobody was healthy, but uh, comparatively, I'd say that they had a better season um, than a lot of other teams. They're going to lose four of these O linemen. They're going to lose Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think Charbonnet's done. Um, yeah. The transfers that they're bringing in are, are you had mentioned they're interesting fits. Um, you know, they're not got, but the Dante Moore thing is such a big splash that it's like, all right, how, how much, how much grace are they going to get to backslide a little bit this year when they probably the baseline for them, the expectation should always be eight wins um, or above. Yeah. And so I, the, the I am fascinated they, they by have nine transfers. They got a safety mm -hmm. from, uh, Bowling Green, who's highly sought after. They brought in a white running back named Carson Steele from Ball State, um, who was highly rated as a transfer. He's more of a bruiser, but, you know. Um, they brought in a kicker, whatever. They brought in a tight end from Oregon, Maliki Maltaval, who's a pretty good player. Not a, a outstanding pass catcher, but but he, but he'll get a lot of playing time. Like, he's a good player. Mm -hmm. should Should play on Sundays as well. Um, they got a running back out of Army who's supposed to be pretty good. Um, Is that uh, even allowed? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and and the guys who have NFL potential are leaving Army now because of like because of the rules that allow that don't allow them to go to the draft. Like um, like the kid that's going to be a top fifteen or twenty pick this year. They made an exception for uh, him. Um, mm -hmm. And then they brought in quarterback Colin Shee, Shalee, um, who's a highly rated transfer from uh, Kent State as well. So they still have Ethan Garbers, though, right? Like and, I, I, I'm a Garbers guy. Justin like Martin. So yeah, you're gonna have two of those kids hop in the portal at because obviously Colin Shalee is staying there. 
and yeah. so is Dante Moore. Yeah. But depending on how this spring goes, because <clears throat> they're all going to be, be there in the spring. So those two are there. But between Ethan Garbers and Justin Martin, they both won't be there. Like, like if depending on how the spring spring goes, those two are probably gone unless they end up as the like it's trending toward maybe, being the starting quarterback. And maybe that's why Cal's not in panic mode right now because they know that they had Ethan's older brother and they probably could. And wasn't Justin Martin? Was he committed to Cal? Yes, he was at committed one to point? Cal. Yep. And now so Cal maybe, has a new offensive coordinator, so you know, so things are a little more hopeful. Maybe that's the mindset. It's just like, hey, we'll, we'll get some of these guys that leak out in the spring. Yep, exactly, exactly. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So we are going to also have, oh, so, and then the last game up was the uh, USC, oh, sorry, two, two more games left, Penn State, Utah. It's hard for me to judge this game because... Same. Because Cam Rising went went out, but he wasn't having a stellar day prior to that. He was only eight for twenty one with a touchdown and a pick. So but they were tied, right? Yeah. They were tied when he went out. Tavion Thomas and I don't even. I'm, I would love for somebody from Utah to just explain to me what the drama with him was all year long because it was relentless, and yeah, Utah fans seemed to be really played. sick of it. Yeah, and he he had some tweets, and Utah fans were about sick of him. Um, 
and then Dalton Kincaid opted out about how like you guys don't know the full story about why I'm not playing and and like Utah fans would be like yes we do like you're a bum like you you're not committed to the team Jeez. and stuff like that so like there there's some weird back and forths with him all year I'd love to know like what actually it was whether it was him not showing up to practices or whatever else it was if he was actually injured or he fell out of favor with the coaches so but he didn't play Dalton Kincaid opted out yeah Cameron got hurt and so, like, this game was tied at halftime, and then the dam broke. And I, I'm with you. It didn't, like, it didn't really affect me. Um, that it didn't seem like the same Utah team in that second half that, that was getting worked by Penn State. And Penn State, to be honest, like, when you and I talk about this all the time, when we're not, like, recording Pac-12 stuff, is, like, Penn State, is their entire team is full of, like, top 100 <laughs> High school players and over multiple classes. Like, like this is what Penn State should look like always. Yeah, they're good, but like it's weird. Like Penn State is good and they're super talented. They put a lot of guys in the draft, but you're like, why aren't you better? And I know that they were eleven and two. Like that's the crazy part about it is that you, is that you're saying it because they they won their games and they won like they demolished people, literally demolished. Everybody in their way, except for they got absolutely trucked by Michigan and they got trucked by by Ohio State, too. So so you're so like it's confusing to fans because you're like, we're so good that we demolish everybody that we that we run against. But when we get to Michigan and Ohio State, we get run off the field. And maybe you'll be insulted by this, maybe not, but I, but I think maybe hopefully you'll see where I'm coming from. Penn State has reminded me of the, the they're the Oregon of the Big Ten, but the difference is, the difference is Oregon has what like three coaches in the last five years, and Penn State has one coach in the last five years, and it feels like they have no excuse for it. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. Except, but the and- talent, the talent is like super high level. Yes, Cor- correct in terms of, but I'm actually excited. I'm super excited about Oregon's talent level this year because they put a lot of kids in the portal and there are two types of portal entries. There are voluntary and there are involuntary. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of involuntary. There were, there were two voluntary at Oregon that kids that they would have loved to keep Brady Swinson and the, uh, and the wide receiver uh, from Baltimore, uh, Dante Thornton. They would have loved to keep both of those dudes. Um, yeah. Uh, Tulane, USC, 46-45. Do we have to talk about this one? <laughs> First of all, Caleb Williams was spec damn tackler. 37 for 52. 462, five touchdowns, one pick. The pick was nasty, but listen. It's going to happen occasionally, but with the rest of that stat line, what the, what the, when you look at this game, nothing about this game says, man, I wish we had got a little more out of Caleb Williams. No. And when you talk about the pick, he, Caleb Williams was doing things. If this is your first time watching Caleb Williams, cause you saw him win a Heisman and then you wanted to tune in to see, watch him play the bowl. This was not really like statistically it was representative of who Caleb Williams is, but he, he was trying to hit receivers downfield that were covered. And that's not really his thing. 
Well, he he gets a and and we've talked about that. He does get a little pressy sometimes. He will press a little bit on you every now and then, but uh, but in general, he's pretty even keel, cool, calm, and collected. And and some sometimes he does need to take the check down a few more times than he does. Mm-hmm. But that's that that's who he is. He makes big plays. But the other thing is his wide receivers are really, really good. So mm-hmm. he also makes some throws that he gives them an opportunity to make plays like one of the ones where Brendan Rice came back and like caught it in between two. That that was not a Caleb Williams play. That was a Brendan Rice play. But but Caleb Williams gets the credit because he was on the side. He shuffled around to the sideline, all of that. Well, stuff. and that's but that's what I'm saying. The Caleb Williams that I'm used to, even if he had gotten to the sideline, held the ball for ten seconds, and set his feet and thought that he could make that throw. If he saw Brendan Rice was covered, he'd have thrown the ball at his feet, so that yes. it didn't cost the team anything. That was who we saw all year long. In this game, he was like, "Yolo, we'll see if he can catch it." <laughs> Yolo, <laughs> he really was. Yeah, but. Uh, Tulane, like the numbers don't make sense. Tulane completed eight of 17 passes for 234. Unreal. And you're sitting like, but then Tajay Spears, who I'm surprised is still at Tulane. <laughs> Are you, must, you surprised he didn't walk to the USC locker room after the game? Yes. It changed jerseys. 17 for 205 <laughs> for four touchdowns. Man. Bro, What? What? The fact that they were like running the ball down 13 late in the fourth was so disrespectful. But but why wouldn't you, though? This you this is the exact problem that I said USC was going to have preseason. Did I did I not say that? I said they would have problems in the Pac-12. I said they they would Mm -hmm. run through their non-conference and then Pac-12. They would have problems against um against Oregon State, against Oregon, but they didn't play Oregon, and against UCLA. That those those would be the teams that gave them problems. And that's who gave them problems. And then they got in the bowl game, and somebody ran at them, and it gave them problems. The funniest thing about this is people, if you haven't watched Tulane, you just make the assumption, right, that like, oh, this is just how Tulane plays. No. Michael Pratt threw for 400 yards against UCF in the in their conference championship to get to this point. He threw for th- over 300 yards four times this year, threw for f- 3,000 yards. Yes. He only rushed 20% of his rushing yards this season came against USC in this that, bowl game. That is that's not what, what they He was just like, like th- that the two lane coaches were like, oh, we're, we're, we're not going to keep doing this. We are going to, because they came out and tried to throw it. It was 7 nothing at the end of the first. Then it was 28-14 at halftime, and they were like, ah, run the damn ball. They went full Jimmy Lake, run the damn ball. Actually, and it they was, went Oregon State against Oregon. Oh, And they just, uh. they just ran the ball and took the damn game. And it was just – and if you're USC, uh, you know who they have been calling for his head, but his head has not been served up. Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch, yeah. <laughs> they Alex were talking Grinch. all game long about the players defending him, and it just, oof. 
Yeah, and the, and, and and all their fans they they put up a hot board for their new uh for their new office for their new defensive coordinator. Do you think that they are getting a new defensive coordinator? Because I do not. Because no, I don't either. That'd have been a big balls move though to fire Alex Grinch after he got all that heat interviewing for head coaching jobs. So I I have a question for you, George. Okay. You played seven years in the NFL. I probably spent seven total years playing Madden. Is there anything in the world more frustrating than not being able to stop the run? No, no, bro. There is. And I don't mean in football. I mean, like in life. Yes. (laughs) Is there anything more frustrating in life than not being able to stop the run? No, no, because it's so basic. And you're like, let's get him on the ground. No. Mm, Oh, and a side note, uh, I just got word Oregon is expected to land Birch, the defensive lineman from South Carolina, the kid that was very, very highly recruited that like didn't sign till late. Uh, Jordan, yeah. Jordan Birch. He's very good. Yes, he's very good. Really highly thought of out here. That is a uh, that's a big get right there. Yeah. Um, oh, and the speaking kid, of South Carolina, Dante since Thornton. we're talking about USC, we were talking about USC. Speaking speaking of South Carolina, University of South Carolina, yes, uh, had their what looked like was going to be their workhorse running back, but it, he he didn't end up getting as many carries as I think he wanted to. Transfer out to USC, and you and I were texting back and forth, like, what are they going to do with a power back? Yes, exactly, exactly, but. That may put so there have been talks about Relique Brown, Damani Jackson, and another. Um, oh, and then the other you, uh, CJ Williams, tra- uh, hopping in the portal. Well, Mar- Marshawn CJ Lloyd Williams is, is already in the, in the portal. I wouldn't be surprised if if they be, because, the, yeah, money is cool, but like your pride. If money was bigger than pride and ego, you would never see an unhappy NFL player. But Correct. all we see are unhappy NFL. The highest paid players in the league are unhappy. Yep. Yep. You have so, never met a hype, a happy NFL player. You have not. <laughs> except, I mean, there is. Except the whole Detroit Lions roster for about an hour last night. After yes. Yes. And then some of them are still mad when they look at their paychecks. Um, and when they see Seattle's going actually, to play off because of you them. know, you know who I think is pretty happy just in general. I think hmm. that Josh Allen is happy that he's a happy NFL player. And so is the, um, uh, the Kansas city quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. I think he's pretty happy too. Aaron Rodgers not, not happy at all. Curmudgeon. No. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that Trevor Trevor Lawrence is happy yet. <laughs> he is, hey, yeah. I, I don't yeah. think that you can truly be happy until you get your second contract. I don't. So I think saying, there's no Chris, happiness to be found. The Cardinals just clearing house, but Christian Kirk got his thousand yard season and he's going to the playoffs. I would say Christian Kirk might be pretty Christian happy right Kirk now. is happy too. Yes. <laughs> yes, because because he feels validated. You always feel happy about, when you feel yeah. validated. And there's about 10 receivers that are also happier than they would have been because of Christian Kirk. But there's also 50 receivers that are upset because of Christian Kirk. You know, you know who's not happy? 
even though he's paid a lot of money, Devontae Adams is not happy. Right. $30 million. Money does not buy you happiness. USC, I've I've heard that they like the, the the players on USC's roster, they're they're getting a baseline pay. Like and and that's good. Like I want that for them. I I, I yep. do, but it's not enough to keep somebody around. They nope. want the rock. Nope. Um, okay, now Caleb Williams coming back for next season. Are you excited and hopeful for USC for 2023? Can't wait. Goosebumps right now. Right now, goosebumps thinking about Caleb Williams in 2023. Yeah, I'm excited about them too. Their their non-conference schedule is super light again. Mm-hmm. They have San Jose State, Nevada, and Notre Dame. Yeah. But they do have a a they do play at Oregon. Well, they play at Notre Dame, at Arizona State, at Cal, at Colorado, and at Oregon. They they get the good so they miss Washington and and Washington State, I believe. Yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. They do play Washington. They miss uh Oregon State and Washington State next year. They Which they I, they, I mean, they should be very happy that they miss Oregon State. I love that we've reached the point where Oregon State not being on your schedule. Like ASU had to go to Corvallis in November, November, like three out of four years. And it's funny, like when the schedule would come out and you have ranked opponents and everybody's like, oh, Oregon <laughs> State in November. Yep. You know, I, I just I love that. Could I love that for them. Get- but I don't know if I've been this excited for the return of a player to to. To play in the Pac-12 since Reggie Bush. Ooh. And I'm and I'm almost as excited about the return of Bo Nix and the return of Michael Penix. Bro, and if Cam, and if bro, Cam Rising's back, coming back, he is. He is. He, he, he announced he was coming coming back today. So, Ooh. bro, look at the Pac-12 quarterbacks: Michael Penix Jr., Bo mm-hmm. Nix, Caleb Williams, um, Cam Rising. You have uh, Ward back at Washington State, even though, you know, that's but he's still a problem on some. some Shadour Sanders. Yes. Um, uh, At at, at Arizona. What's his name? Um, Jaden Delora. Yep. And say uh, what you want about him. He matters to this conference. Yes. Yes. Bro, that's at least seven quarterbacks. (laughs) Cal Cal situation. yeah, Cal Delora's and electric, State's. and sometimes the electrical fire. <laughs> yes, uh, Cal Arizona State have sketchy situations. Stanford has a sketchy situation. Um, oh, oh, even that. Oh, oh, and uh, Uyunglele. Mm-hmm. And yes. but even then, Arizona State has Kenny Dillingham, who took yes uh, Bo Nix from like in the eighties in QBR for three years in a row to top ten. Yeah. So, and I look at a guy like Trenton Borgay, who all of a sudden was thrown for 400 yards out of nowhere. And I'm like, could Kenny do something with him? But they got Drew Pine from Notre Dame, Jacob Connor from BYU. They're not going to be as bad as they were last year. Yep. So that's helpful. The one team that I really worry about right now is Cal. Yes. Now, okay. Now, about Cal. Cal lost both of their quarterbacks. They're pulling a Sierra Canyon. They lost both. <laughs> they- <laughs> 
<laughs> they, Ooh, they lost. Little, little inside baseball there. <laughs> um, so they have a new offensive coordinator. They don't have a starting quarterback on their roster. So how do they get better is the question. I don't know, man. They're one of their best O-linemen at ASU now, Ben Coleman. Like, what are the – they're, they have they're, recruited it's not just terribly. They have recruited not, terribly. Not been great. It has not been uh, great. They did not have a quarterback in their class, and they haven't gotten a transfer quarterback either. And losing Charlie Riggle wasn't helpful for continuing some of the high school pipeline stuff. They're the firing their OC, who was supposed to be the the answer to make your boy feel comfortable in Berkeley. Um, I don't know, man. I I hope they're not on the precipice of disaster, but I know a couple of Cal fans out there, one that listens to this show pretty religiously, is like, if we got to suck to get out of this, then... And that that's how far it's come, that they've turned on a coach who is one year off an extension. Um, maybe they'll surprise us. And again, the portal's going to reopen after spring. There's going to be options for Cal. You talk about all the time, ASU sitting on about 22 guys coming in from the transfer portal, and a big part of that is because they know that they're going to play, but they know they're going to play for Kenny Dillingham. Yep. Why haven't we seen this at Cal? Why haven't we seen this influx when there's room on the – the Kai Milner thing is – that's killing me because I know how much Cal fans wanted to see him get a shot. They love his athleticism. They love his downfield vision. And he's and and he's gone. And J- and Jack Plummer had hit the portal. He's gone to Louisville. Yep. So what are they gonna? Uh, he, he was gonna start. That was their assumption. Yep. I feel bad for yeah. them. I the, the this after this season of Marshawn Lynch going out to Cal and cussing on live TV about the fans not bringing energy to, you know, and I know they're getting Marshawn more involved and and stuff like that, but it's just it's too little, too late. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least. 
as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, so we found out the Cam Rising is coming back. Now, with the transfer portal, though, Arizona is now the farm team for USC. Hate that. They they lost their I wouldn't say their best wide wide receiver because T Mac's their best wide wide receiver, but Singer was very productive. And I caution people all the time. So if you were this productive this year, they are going to continue to feed the rock because they throw the ball a lot. So there's room for you and T Mac to get the ball. But you go to USC, you may not be the number one guy. And for whatever reason, it could could be talent or it could just be situation or how it work, what works out. The quarterback likes a guy a little bit better, whatever it is. Maybe you want to win a little bit more. Maybe that's the thing. But yeah, I, I hope this works out for Singer. USC, according to rivals, and I know that it's it's more than this. Uh, USC has brought in seven players. Three of them are from Arizona. Keon Bars is probably their best defensive lineman. Christian Roland Wallace is their best corner. And, and, he's, and, he, and he has a hyphenated name, so we know Ralph <laughs> loves him. Well, first of all, you can, you can check the record. When Christian Roland Wallace had zero offers, I was out here caping for him. So I've always wanted good things for him. And he had some rough experiences at Arizona. But USC thinks he's good enough to go in there and help. So... Um, and then Dorian Singer didn't get to get recruited the first time around. So I think that when you have a walk-on who blows up like he did, that has over a thousand yards receiving and then gets into a physical altercation with a quarterback on the sidelines, it's reasonable to expect that he might look elsewhere. And U of A is still fine at receiver. They got T-Mac. They got Jacob Cowing. They're going to be good. They're good. They, yeah, but I don't, what do you think about, I mean, Arizona was made such market improvements. Mm-hmm. And losing Christian Roland Wallace is a big deal. Um, bars yes. is a big deal con- considering that their defense was was cheeks. Um, Singer is not as big of a deal, even though you would love to have him. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, bro. I I, I think that we could be looking at another five wins for next year for them. Well, yeah, and so that that that's just it. We <laughs> we talked about we were like, oh man, like if if Arizona gets four wins, depending on the way those four wins come after a year in which they should have been winless because that Cal game should have been played, yeah, um, which would have been like two years in a row being winless, we should throw Jed Fisher parade. Well, they win five games, he they almost go to extension. a bowl. He gets a contract extension. And we're like, well, yeah, this is beyond expectation. Jet Fish should get consideration for coach of the year based on some of the stuff he's done. But you know who isn't buying into that? The players and coaches on this staff. 
I don't know what happened with their DB's coach, but he just walked away. Uh, the assistant that dealt with their quarterbacks, I, I ran to him last night. He just walked away. Um, they had their best defensive lineman, their best corner, one of their best receivers all hit the portal. And then yesterday, Jerry Roberts, their best linebacker, um, hit the portal. Yeah, And I think part of that is his brother just signed with uh, UMass and maybe he wants to go play with his brother. But if Jerry Roberts ends up at USC, why even have a team? If you're just going to be a farm team, and this is what I'm dealing with as a Wyoming fan, somebody from Wyoming right now, is every time anybody even has half a good season, they bounce. Yeah, And that and makes it really, really hard. The negative part of the transfer portal is that if you are a Wyoming, as soon as you get something nice, as soon as you get something nice in life happen to you, it it leaves. Which has yeah. to be frustrating. I, I would be extremely frustrated because, I mean, I just so happen to be one of the takers as opposed to one of the givers. So I guess, I, I mean, I don't look at it the uh, the uh, same, same way because I have big school privilege, I guess. Um, now... How about Arizona State? Because their list of transfers is stupid. Like, and I don't mean stupid in a bad, bad way. It's in a good way. Like, they they didn't do much on the recruiting trail. They, I mean, they did get seven, seventeen, which is seven more than Cal. But, um, but it doesn't feel like that Cal is playing the game the way it needs to be played. In that, it is a little bit ruthless. There are some kids that get pushed out, unfortunately, and all of that stuff. But Arizona State was like, we are filling up this team because they were under the transfer, under the uh, scholarship limit, and they have taken 22 transfers from Michigan State, Texas, USC, Oregon, UNLV. Um, I don't even know what school that is because this kid, uh, Xavier Gullery. Gillery, yeah, Gillery. He was Idaho State. Yeah, okay. He, so he, he was a point seven nine eight two coming out of high school. Yeah, he. So he had over a thousand yards receiving for Idaho State this last year. Charlie Regal was the head coach. Charlie Regal gave up being the head coach to go work under Kenny Dillingham at ASU. Xavier Gillery follows oh, your boy him Jake over. Jake Smith. They got your boy Jake Smith. They got Jake Smith fresh off of two years of of, of rehabbing a pretty gnarly uh, foot injury. Um, they are working on Anthony Lucas right now, but he might be USC bound. We'll see. Um, his dad also played for Miami, so you got to look out for um, for them as well. But they're they're trying. They, this is the thing: is there's a really good chance Arizona State's not going to be bowl eligible next year. So a lot of people were like, "Well, let's just take the time to build the culture." I don't think Dillingham believes in that shit at all. No, like based on the way that they're acting in this portal, you're about to get expectations up. You're about to you're about to get people being like, "Well, if you don't win eight wins right out of the gate," uh, and I, 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 think I think that's think crazy the, because the, you. I think the the goal for Arizona State for next yeah. year that it should not be that it should be. Just put a good product on the uh, field and then yes. judge the results. And they, they did lose Daniel Ngata to Washington, and I think he could be really good for them, but then they brought Oh, Ngata went to Washington? Yeah. Damn, bro. It's Cameron, hard to keep, keep up with all of these freaking It's transfers. a lot. There's a lot going on. Cameron Scatabo, Sk- Sk- Skatibo. Yeah. He's the leading rusher in the big sky this year out of Sacramento State. He came in to replace Ngata. Um, the thing about Arizona State that I will say uh, is encouraging because I've also kind of got my head down about next year of like, let's just establish what this team's going to be. However, 
they got probably three of the top 10 offensive linemen that were in the portal in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though they lost Ladarius Henderson to Michigan and they lost uh, their starting center, Ben Scott, uh, to Nebraska or something like that, they replaced them with three guys who people believe are plug and play starters like Ben Coleman. And when you do that, it makes people think you can win now. And that's I've, I've kind of raised my eyebrows because of the O-line recruiting. I'm going to tell you, though, this defense has a chance to be hot garbage yes. next year. Yes. Hot garbage. Yes. But they do get – I mean, they're, the only way that their schedule could have been any tougher for next year is if they dropped, I guess, Cal and put Oregon State on there. And, and whoever would have thought that we would have – because they play Oklahoma State, Fresno State. Fresno State is not a good game when you're in this sort of situation. But where do they play Fresno State? At home. And where do they play Oklahoma State? At home. And their other out-of-conference game is? Southern Utah. At, at home. At home. And they have five conference games at home. They have eight home games, George. Eight. Yes, they do. They only play Cal, UCLA, Utah, and Washington on the road. So they're going to lose at Utah and at Washington. But but is six wins insane? No. No. No, it's it's it'd be pushing it, but yeah, but uh, no, it's not insane. But I would okay, advise so, anybody who follows Arizona State football, please do not bring any expectations into this season. Just do not just just just, just you're not going to get a bowl. Just lay down and and <laughs> let, just lay down and let it happen. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, so. Uh, I think we're <laughs> I think we're done for the day on that note. Um, who do you have in the national championship today? Well, uh, it's tough because we're the Pac-12 apostles, and I have a soft spot for Sonny. Right, because who'd have thought? After putting such a putrid defense on the on the field, but he mm-hmm. learned something. He learned something. Mm-hmm. And the athletes out there are crazy, and I think. Um, Because I'm Mr. Like Twitter history, I do think that at some point last year I tuned into a TCU game and they were like five and seven or four and eight or something like that, and I said uh, Quentin Johnston is maybe the best receiver in college football, and which is not true. He's like top five. Um, But when I saw him, I was like, oh my god! And and they 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 took our guy from Colorado, uh, who was probably their best DB, and he has been a huge uh, um, help to that to that defense they're athletic they're fun it's really hard to root against max duggan however you know me you know where my allegiance lies and i would really love to see keely ringo go back to back yeah Yeah. so i'm not even saying what i think is going to happen i'm telling you i'm actively rooting for georgia for the sake of of Keely. keely ringo who gets picked on a lot for being, you know, on a national championship level defense, he probably more of a safety than a corner. But, but him and Quentin Johnston head to head tonight. To prove is, it next year in the NFL, baby. Oh yeah, he's gonna be proving it for a few years, and he's gonna be making a lot of money while doing it. And I'm really excited for him. And this is his last hurrah. Uh, if TCU wins, I'll be very happy. If Georgia wins and he has a good game, is the only way I'll be happier. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys. Oh. Give me Georgia. I don't think they can be be beat. 
Especially uh, after week one of the season, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, they're not gonna lose. Oh, they're not gonna lose. This this team's impossible to beat. Um, and now the most important thing here's the thing that people don't realize about Georgia is that their wide receivers are now healthy. 80, 84 is not the only guy they have besides Brock Bowers. The dude who went off in the uh in the semifinal game, huh, he's that dude. He's that dude. And it's it's almost like where George Pickens was gone all year last year, and then all of a sudden in the championship game, you're like, where the hell did that dude come come from? That it is just like that. So and it's, I hate I do hate tuning into Georgia games and seeing dudes from Vegas and California yes. and Arizona go off. I'm just like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It all goes back to Larry oh, Scott. Watch it next year too. The the kid from Lincoln, the, the uh, running back, Roderick, uh, Roderick, I forgot his last name. Um, Roderick Robinson. Mm, yeah. With the Lincoln. Which he was a, he was going to, he was a UCLA commit yes. for a while. Yes. And pairing him with Dante Moore would have been a lot of hey, fun, bro. but. Listen, the, the sins that of the sins of Larry Scott be good, good, good. Can uh, I give you an absolutely insane stat that I saw on Twitter this morning? Yeah. Seven straight years of a national championship being played with a quarterback from the state of Georgia. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Because you had Trevor Lawrence. You had Deshaun Watson uh-huh. twice. Trevor Lawrence twice. Justin Fields? Yes. Yep. Yep. And Stetson Bennett. Mm, 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 mm. Hey, hey, uh, Georgia, Georgia doing their thing right now. They're giving Cali a run for their money. But uh, you guys. The big four. There's a big four in recruiting. People need to recognize that. It's California, Texas, Florida, and Georgia. Yep. I'm George Reiser. He's Ralph Hampson. This is the Pac-12 Apostles. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.